Hello, and welcome back. My name is Ben Wartsky, and fun fact, when I was six or seven years old, I didn't go to a hockey tryout because I was too scared. I didn't realize I was so scared until I showed up at the tryout, got on all of my gear, got ready to take the ice and dominate, and then I remembered I was actually a scaredy cat and a homebody. Instead of simply leaving the scary tryout behind me, I decided to stay and watch all of the other obviously not scared kids take the ice. I remember this for two reasons. One, I ended up playing hockey and very much enjoying it for the few years I participated. And two, my dad who went with me to the tryout stood beside me as I simply refused to take the ice and pointed out a lone puck that no one was using with the implication that I could get on the ice and use said lonely puck, I began to cry. While I'm sure in the moment my dad comforted me and gave me support, I cannot verify that information at this time and can confirm that he took a photo of me and laughs about it every time it's brought up. What this has to do with our topic of discussion today, I'm not sure. You'll have to stick around and find out in this episode of I Know What You're Thinking. Before we go any further, I have a written statement here that I was by no means coerced into writing. These are completely my own thoughts and in no way were threatened to be disavowed if I didn't clarify. <clears throat> my mother is a very wonderful woman who very much understands technology and I should not have portrayed her in a light that makes her seem as though she does not understand how to work her phone. Thank you. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get into what we're all here for today. Today, I wanted to swing back from something that I am personally passionate about, board games, to something that I feel a wider audience could appreciate, and that is the use of hands and feet, specifically if I asked you to pick one or the other. I'm not speaking of amputation. No, no, I'm not getting that graphic. I want you to imagine that you're offered a choice. You can either have your hands stuck together in a clasped position, or your feet stuck together by the side so your toes are pointed straight out, but you can't lift one foot without lifting the other. Which would you choose? Hands stuck together or feet? I think we can break this down into a few parts. Part one, mobility. Obviously in our normal world, forgetting about COVID for a second, mobility is very important. The ability to get from one place to another is a key in everything from exercising to getting to work to what I use my mobility for mostly, walking to the fridge and grabbing something to eat. With your feet stuck together, it drastically decreased your mobility on a day-to-day -day basis. No longer could you run to the fridge in the middle of the night because you realized that the Greek yogurt that you bought last week was going to expire and you needed to eat something because the last three times you bought Greek yogurt, it went bad and you feel an obligation to finally eat that yogurt. Not that that's ever happened to me. No judgment. Instead, you'd have to be hopping around potato sack style. Speaking of potato sack racing style, I'd like to introduce you to the self-proclaimed Usain Bolt of sack racing, Stephen Wildish, who in 2017 set the world record for the 100 meter and 200 meter dash. Hop? I'm unsure how to quantify that. With a blistering 26.2 second pace for the 100 meter and a 64.1 for the 200. When asked what's next for the record holder, Wildish said, quote, I'd love to challenge Mo Farah, the 2016 Olympic gold medalist in the 500 and 10,000 meter from Britain. He's more of a long distance runner and this would level the playing field. Best of luck to you, Steven. But I know what you're thinking. There is no chance that the sack hopping style with the feet stuck together could be nearly as effective as normal movement. Even if that normal movement would come at the cost of having both of your hands clasped together in front of you, that would certainly throw off your balance. That's where an old invention comes into play and what I think really makes this debate tough for those that think hands being stuck together superior. That invention, of course, is the wheelchair. Wheelchair, or their earlier counterparts, have been found depicted on vases as early as the 5th century BCE. But it wasn't until 1655 where the paraplegic watchmaker, Stefan Farfler, built a self-propelling chair that many credit to being the precursor to tricycles and bicycles that wheelchairs made it to the mainstream. 
Interestingly enough, when they were first invented, it wasn't primarily used by those with lower body injuries. Instead, when wheelchairs were brought to Atlantic City around 1887, they were jumped on by tourists who just wanted to flex their wealth by having others wheel them around. If I were a rich tourist in the late 1800s, early 1900s, I just can't see myself wasting money in such a way. Because do you know what else I could spend my hard-earned money on? 70 pounds of potatoes. Do you know how much that would cost me? One dollar, which is the equivalent of $28 or so by, by the 2013 inflation. You know what else I could buy with my one $1900? A men's dress shirt, one pound of coffee. Heck, I could even purchase quite the fancy woman hat. You know, the one that makes it look like there's a fruit basket on her head? That was all the rage. I digress. Jumping ahead to 1933 is when wheelchairs really began to be first mass produced by the company Everest and Jennings, using a design often found in foldable chairs and camping gear. Today, there are many different types of wheelchairs accessible to people with a wide range of disabilities. There's motorized, self-propelled, attendant-propelled. They even have recently produced a wheelchair that is controlled by brain impulses. That is so cool. On the other hand, no pun intended, your mobility wouldn't really be inhibited if your hands were stuck together. Well, it would be inhibited, but not in the same way. You couldn't drive a car or really hold onto handrails of escalators, buses, public transit. You wouldn't really be able to walk, run normally, as I was saying earlier. I feel that there's a reason that Olympic runners don't run with their hands outstretched as if they're Tom from Tom and Jerry holding on to Jerry for dear life. There's a 1951 article called How to Live Without Arms by Herb Gott, and there's a man who, as the article name would imply, lives without arms. I will read an excerpt about that now. Today, I live a confident, well-regulated life. While I am physically dependent on others for many parts of my daily routine, I am able, independently, to earn my own living, provide many of my own diversions, and to exist generally without feeling I am a burden to my friends and colleagues. Around my apartment, I've devised ways of writing letters, telephoning, and reading. Downtown, I shop for myself, go to movies or concerts, conduct most of my business without assistance. I can't lace my own shoes, but I've learned to enjoy skating. I can't undress myself, but some of my happiest hours are spent swimming. Quite often, I spend an evening playing bridge with friends. A couple of years ago, I even had the thrill of driving a car along a lonely, rutted country road. Of course, some of these things will always be impossible for me. One of these is fulfillment of my boyhood ambition to become a sailor. Ironically enough, it was this ambition that led to the accident that cost me my arms. I think there's something to be said uh, about the claspers, that I think there's a lot of things that they could figure out uh, about how to do, and especially if this herb got could not only survive without having arms, but he actually became Canada's most quote-unquote offhand actor in the early 50s. So if this man could do it, and he didn't have arms, and I think that if you had arms but your hands were stuck together, I'm sure there were things to figure out. It is just difficult for me to conceptualize why you would want to limit yourself to this when we have the mechanisms currently that can set you up for success via wheelchair. Part two, functionality. While mobility is important, I think that either option you choose, you could figure it out on that end. It is the functionality of everything that I don't understand how someone could possibly prefer to have their hands stuck than their feet. Let's start with eating. Hands, people. Yes, I'm talking to you. I want you to clasp your hands in front of you. How are you planning on eating? Maybe you can stick a utensil between the gap in your palms, but there's no way that that is a good experience. And even if you do that, how are you going to transport that morsel from the plate into your mouth? As someone who's currently trying it, I just don't see it. Maybe all of you are double-jointed or just incredibly talented, in which case props to you. Meanwhile, the legs people. Not only can we eat normally, as we do now, with our wheelchairs, we have a mobile table. Oh, all the tables in this restaurant are full? Thank goodness I brought my own seat. Boom. The only problem would be if the tables in this restaurant were tall and we were sitting beneath everyone else we came with, but that could be worked around. I'd much rather that than be unable to feed myself. Sleeping. Here, I think the claspers have an advantage. 
I think sleeping in a bed, having your feet stuck together is way more of a pain than your hands. While I personally do like to sleep on my side, I don't keep my feet completely parallel with one another. And I think from the Clasper's perspective, you could either learn to sleep on your back with your hands on your stomach, or maybe you sleep in a sideways position with your hands by your head. And if you are someone who tosses and turns in your sleep, it is much easier to unravel yourself if you can move your legs. Although, tucking yourself in would be a lot more difficult with your hands stuck. Now that we've eaten and slept, what about dressing? I think that both would come with challenges. For the feet one, I'm just imagining that we'd have one big shoe cast block somewhere down there, but otherwise we'd wear normal clothes. While we could also wear traditional pants, I think that a closet full of snap zip-on ones, like the ones you would take on and off for soccer, would be right up our alley. Also, getting dressed and undressed would be infinitely easier with the use of our arms. Meanwhile, the claspers can wear stylish jeans, pants, dresses, etc., but I'm not really sure what they're doing for shirts. I'm thinking tank tops with detachable straps that you can put your arm through, singular for the record, and I don't think that does it for me. I, I just don't think that's enough. Part three, everything else. You may not look cool hopping around with your feet stuck together, but see me rolling up in a Centaur Med Forza D09 Deluxe with its smart silver aluminum frame, sharp turn radius, and two 250 watt motors, and you may be singing a different tune. There's also the opportunity to join the NWBA, not to be confused with the WNBA, where the Dallas Wings selected Charlie Collier with a number one overall pick, and then turned right around and selected Iwa Kuia with a number two overall pick. Nor is it the 1987 hip-hop group from Compton, California, featuring Ice Cube, Easy e Dr. Dre, MC Ren, DJ Yella, and the Arabian Prince. NWA. No, no. The NWBA is a National Wheelchair Basketball Association, and if you want to be the best, you got to go through one man. I, of course, am talking about Patrick Anderson, aka the best wheelchair basketball player in the world right now, and in the discussion for the greatest of all time. Patrick was struck by a drunk driver in 1989 when he was nine and lost both of his legs. That didn't stop him from competing at the highest levels as by 1997, he has worked his way all the way up to the national Canadian team. It's safe to say he's only gotten better from there. Let's read off some of his accolades. Inducted into the Center Wellington Hall of Fame in 2015, named the best male athlete of the year at the 2013 Canadian Paralympic Committee Sport Awards, named Ontario Athlete of the Year with a Disability in 2013, received the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Medal, Named finalist for the prestigious Loris Sportsperson of the Year with a Disability Award. Named the 2003, 2005, and 2012 National Championships Tournament MVP. Named 2009-2013 Wheelchair Basketball Canada Male Athlete of the Year, as well as many others. The list goes on and on. Last season, Anderson averaged 25 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists, all while shooting 60% from the field and 38% from 3, and was named the 2018 Wheelchair Athlete of the Year for his efforts. Anderson has won three International Paralympic Games while playing for Team Canada, and also has won one gold at the World Championships. His team, the New York Rolling Knicks, have lost just one time since the 2017-2018 season, where they went 16-1. and Something you may be unaware of, and something that I found interesting about the NWBA, is that the NWBA has a classification system that's, quote, based on the player's physical capacity to execute fundamental basketball movements, pushing the wheelchair, dribbling, shooting, passing, catching, rebounding, and reacting to contact. The scale ranges from one to four and a half, and at any point, a team is not allowed to have more than 14 points on the court. So each of the players given a number ranging from one, one and a half, two, three, three and a half, four, four and a half, and they can't have more than 14 points on the court. They can have less, but this means that you can't just have five, four and a halfs roaming around. Oftentimes this rating is not just correlated to how good this person may, may or may not be at basketball, but it's how severe their injuries are. 
So if you're a four and a half, then that means that you have basically all your range of motion and you have the most balance of any other person on the court. I think this is an interesting concept for basketball as it is similar to those graphics where you have to pick your dream team with only $15, except that it's in real life. To recap, I'm firmly on the side of having your legs stuck together because I think that wheelchairs make life practically livable. Everything is wheelchair accessible, or at least enough things are wheelchair accessible that I don't think your life would change that much versus because this is obviously a ridiculous question in society right now, there's nothing that we'd have that can really help you if your hands are just stuck together. They have stuff that would help you if you're amputated, such as prosthetic limbs. But otherwise, I really don't know if your life could be that much better. And you think this question is easy, or at least I think this question is easy, but I have discussed this pre this show at all with so many people. And I think it was not even 50-50. I thought that like 80% of people that I talked to believe that they would truly have a better life if their hands were stuck together instead of their feet. And they claimed mobility was their reasoning for that. But I feel, I hope, or I think that I laid out at least two or three reasons, if not way more than that, as to why you should want your feet to be stuck together over your hands. Anyways, you can't have nearly that same experience in the NWBA if you're a clasper. Agree with me? Are you on the right side and want your legs stuck together? Or are you feeling more as you prefer to be unable to feed yourself? The choice is yours. Let me know, either via text or on all social medias, at the Ben Zone. Before I wrap up, I'd like to go ahead and read our comment of the day, where I'd like to go back and recognize one or two people who left reviews, ratings on the podcast. Let's see, I don't think that Spotify has a review section or any way to rate a podcast. Spotify, what's up with that? Why can't I see all the hundreds of five-star reviews that I am surely have gotten by now? Anyways, I guess I will go back to iTunes to see what the fans are saying. All right. I know what you're thinking. Huh. Okay, well, it seems like the app's broken because it's saying that I have no ratings nor reviews on that side either, which can't be correct. There's no way that somebody listens to this show and wouldn't go to their iTunes podcast app, search up I Know What You're Thinking, and leave a rating or review so that they have a chance to be featured on future episodes. There's no way that would happen. In all seriousness, I want to thank... Goodness. Come on, Siri. Not right now. <coughs> In all seriousness, I want to thank everybody for listening and rating and giving me feedback and giving me advice on what they want to hear next. If there's anything you want to hear me talk about, anything you want to look, have me look into for a little bit, let me know. Seriously, reach out. I'm open to all ideas. No, no ideas are dumb. I take that back. Some of the ideas are dumb, but I will still look into them anyways because I love dumb topics. But stay tuned. This next episode this week is going to be a good one. We're talking, uh, you know, I'll give you I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you a taste. Uh, we're bringing you back to middle school. We're going we're on the dance floor and Fireburn is playing. That's all I'm going to say on this episode. But I know what you're thinking. <laughs>